We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network. NBA Finals Game 4 Postgame Pod. I am Ty Winters of the Eurostep. I am joined by the Shook Rohan Kadi of the Eurostep and by Adam McGee of the Win and Six podcast. The Bucks won an FU game. We'll see if this ends up being an explicit tag podcast, but really not the most fun game to say the least for most of it. A completely awful call goes against the Bucks, and the first thing I thought of was Game Seven against the Brooklyn Nets where it seemed like such a slog and there's no way they're going to win. And they just, they got fired up. They had calls go against them. And you know what? They won the game. They did it again. 109-103. The series is tied up. We barely got here, but we got here. Fellas, how's it going? So, Chest pains. Yeah. <laughs> the Bucks. The Bucks account tweeted after the win, how we feel in Bucks fans with a picture of Drew Holiday. Not great, honestly. Like I should be. I feel tremendous. Oh, I I feel great. I I feel feel great, and also I might die like live (laughs) on the pod. I'm not joking about chest pain. Like I'm dying. Like I don't. You guys can probably hear this in my voice. Oh yeah, you sound. Everyone can hear it. (laughs) I thought I was going to be the one who sounds bad. This is my flu game. Frozen in stress for the last hour and a half. I'm not moving for the next foreseeable future. Like I, I like to respond to your tweet, uh, Bucks. I I don't know if I feel that good. <laughs> I think you'll I, feel good tomorrow. Is my take. You know what? A win is a win is a win at this stage in the game. Like I am a process over results person. The Bucks are going to need to work on the process for the rest of this series. They certainly can play better. Just win, Ty. This is the team that, that just wins too. now. That they really are. They, they just really need are. to. I don't care how they come. This was the ugliest game ever. I'd, you know, maybe just be ahead and manage to hold the lead rather than doing the whole come from behind in like the last three minutes thing. That might make it a little bit easier for all of us. But the games can be this ugly 
they need two wins to be NBA champions. Just win. I do, I do not care about process anymore. I do not care about how ugly anything is. Uh, my process at this point is borderline like give Chris or Giannis the ball and don't let anyone else touch it except maybe if Brooks Pat. in the paint or Pat's in the corner, you know, otherwise. It, it has to be a momentum shot for Pat. If it's any other shot, he's not hitting the broad side of a barn. He will. He won't hit anything. He'll just airball the shot. Forty-some percent tonight. If it's a Indeed. big shot, you know it's going in. For some, like somehow we're here. Somehow we've got. I don't know why we're talking about Pat up top, and I'm going to start talking about Pat. We're just talking. We're talking about everything. So this guy has been maligned by Bucks Twitter for being just the guy. Why is Pat Connaughton taking these big shots late in games to give ball, give the ball to Pat Connaughton, and you know he'll hit a big shot. Like what? What's happened here? How have we reached this point? I don't know, but we're here, and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. My guy goes out there, airballs, goes up, throws up another brick, then all of a sudden he's making big plays in crunch time after absolutely throwing away any chance at basketball IQ in any sort of sand, like in any sort of sane manner. And yet, here he is. He's making big plays. And I don't understand any of it. Rohan, Pat is Giannis's workout buddy. They share a mentality. They need The Bucks need to put out part two of that video where Giannis going, I've been to the lowest of the lows. I airballed two straight free throws in OKC. Let's hear from Pat next time. They told me to go play for the Orioles when I signed my extension for less than $5 million a year. They, I don't know what else. They, they call me a slumlord. Everything else from Pat. Listen, he went through Wing Do you think University. he knows that? I don't know if I, he knows that. Uh, I mean, if he listens to the pod, he does now. He definitely doesn't. I, um, I don't like your negativity on who does and doesn't listen to the pod. Most most players and coaches, I guess, he do not. They're kind of busy. Right? I don't think Pat's gone back to the locker room. He's like, I need to get home. <laughs> <laughs> New Eurostep Podcast Network <laughs> episode is going to be dropping soon. And I need to hear Ty Windish call me a slumlord. I don't think I that's... didn't say it. I didn't say it. I said people have said it. It's different. <laughs> oh, okay. It's right. much different. Jordan Windish over here. Allegedly. Um, I, 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 this is, I think Rohan was being harsh on Pat's game. He had a couple of bad misses. The problems of Pat's game were actually the classic Pat problems tonight, which was the fouls and the biting on every pump fake and just, you know, stay down. Then there was also that kind of fumbled pass inside where he would have been better just going up trying to finish himself. But I think Aiton got in his head. But like he made the shots. And even when he didn't, there was the one to tie the game that there ended up being a foul, a foul on Crowder. Although maybe that was the real foul, the one where Yanis got him on the face. He had a go-ahead tree that kind of rimmed in and out before that. It's it's amazing. But yeah, you brought us down this road, Rohan, where we started the podcast on with Pat. But he's just a great example, really. The way books fans have had to go along with the journey of Pat, I feel like is where a wider NBA audience are having to go along with the books of just being like, <laughs> you know, this this team can't get it done. This team, they'll never, they'll never get overland. They're not good enough. They don't have what it takes in the playoffs and what it takes in the finals. And here they are. They're just finding a way to do it. We've so. gotten two 
Mike Breen bang calls on Pat Connaughton threes in the NBA Finals, and I don't know what to do. The video just they don't. play with those Enjoyed calls them. when they're hanging that jersey is gonna <laughs> tie, be tie, 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 tie. Fourth most minutes. Can in we this let game this go for what episode? <laughs> I don't know if this is the episode to let it go though. I don't want to add fuel to this fire because I know, I know we could all get like engulfed by the flames. You know, Ty is not worried about where anyone else is. If we're in close proximity to fire, this thing is just going up. I found out people are pissed about this take, which I think is the funniest <laughs> thing on earth. You f- you found out? <laughs> Why would anyone be mad about a silly take where the prefer the preface is if the Bucks win the championship? You're going to get pissed off about what numbers they do and don't retire. It's a championship. Retire Teague. I don't care. Anyway, enough Pat. Enough Pat talk. He was fine. He was pretty good. He was, most minutes he, was, the game. he was good. He was very good. He was important. He was also a plus 21. And yeah. st- on yeah. a, only oh, well, four books in the end managed to get to positive plus minus. Uh, but... Yeah, things worked with Pat there in spite of the fact the Suns picked on him every single time. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Giannis, who had a career-defining play in this game. Uh, I think Chris, certainly the best buck, and we're going to talk about Chris as well with his, I think, 10 straight points at one point to close out a finals game. But Giannis started slow, did his typical come-out-at-two-minutes thing, just didn't look himself for most of the game. And then with the Bucks up two, an alley-oop is completed to DeAndre Ayton. Well, the ball's in Ayton's hands. I have no idea how he did it, but Giannis rises up, destroys the freaking layup. The fast break goes the other way. Bucks extend the lead and never look back. And you could see him after the play on the other end had finished, just like he gave it everything. That was it. That was the last bit in the tank. For whatever reason, didn't have it tonight. The Suns switched up their coverages. Everything else, still, he didn't have it tonight. Did not look his usual self. I love that he was able to dip deep, deep within and pull that play out. I mean, that's a season-saving play. One of the greatest finals highlights of our lifetime. Just credit to Giannis for embodying the Bucks. Like, it's not pretty but he found a way to get it done. That play is impossible for any other player if it's not Giannis. This guy was in a deep drop, managed to turn around exponentially quicker than any other player could possibly do on that play, go up and meet DeAndre Ayton at the rim on a lob and just block it. I just, that doesn't happen. These aren't things that people do. This is the like this is the NBA finals and we're still seeing Giannis rise above the rest of every other caliber of player. We've seen that throughout the years in terms of, you know, any like a random play against the Timberwolves on like a Wednesday in March. You know, like you have these type of plays. No. This is the NBA Finals. This is the best of the best going at it. And he's separating himself on the biggest stage. That's different than doing it in like the regular season. It's different than doing it in earlier rounds of the postseason. Doing it on this stage 
makes you an all-time great. That is one of the greatest plays in the history of the NBA Finals. It's so good that for the first time ever, we have actual players like tweeting about the Bucks. Not CJ McCall. Not CJ McCall. We've got Damian Lillard chiming in. That was like by Giannis might have won them the game. Spencer Dinwiddie quote tweets that, changes it, and says might have won them the championship. Let's go. Things- Spencer Dinwiddie, taxpayer MLE. What a do, baby. Man, this guy wants $300 million. He is not getting the taxpayer MLE. Just, just under the table, Bitcoin. You never know. Galaxy. We'll pay him in Euro coin. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> oh, you can, you can Not have to be mistaken with, with actual euros. Just no, no, no. It's just, yeah. G-Y-L. You can have uh, you can have the buck stock market all to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the type of play. No player has ever wanted to tweet anything good about Giannis ever. We've talked about this. Adam, we've talked. You've brought this up a bunch. It's it's undeniable at this point. It's forcing these players to be like, oh my god, I have to say something about this. That's how good it is. That's how you know that Giannis did something that was incredible. Because you forced the normal NBA, the other NBA players to be like, oh, I have to recognize this. This was so good that I have to say something. This reminds me of, and we're seeing quite a lot of it at the moment, where PJ Tucker, you keep seeing these clips where he's like, yeah, you know, people don't know what Giannis is really like, which you'd have to read between the lines to actually figure out what everyone thinks Giannis is like or how everyone feels about Giannis outside of Milwaukee. And there's a lot of stuff in that. I think part of it is just, you know, pretty irritating to play against. The guy who can do that to you has got to be annoying, got to be really, really annoying. He just had the greatest play in books history. There's there's not oh. really any competition. Uh, if anyone wants to throw one out, I, I have one shot that I think probably was the greatest play in Korean Skyhook in the finals. Game loss. six and seventy four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that was the greatest highlight in books history. To me, it has now been usurped. It's it's Giannis's block. Yeah, like, it's hard to argue. I, I there's nothing else. That's that's incredible. And he didn't have it tonight. Concerningly so, where you know. With a few minutes to go, when all of us watching this, everyone listening was undoubtedly like ultra deflated. That thing that we talked about before, Ty, where if this team goes down three one, you know they come back. I was I was ready to I bail. Was, on I was off completely. ship after this game because yeah. Giannis Giannis did not look like he looked in the two previous games. I was starting to question: Okay, is he really feeling his knee again? He may well have been, but on that play. He got up there. He made the block. He did exactly what the books needed him to do. And just what a moment. What a moment. What a player. We also have uh, Andre Iguodala checking in here. I was worried it was Andre Drummond (laughs) trying to sell merch or something. (laughs) He said, that Giannis block was crazy, ellipses. King James-esque. Tagged him. He would know. (laughs) Yeah. Do we think LeBron's going to get back to that one? LeBron is busy ghostwriting positive Space Jam reviews. He, yeah, I was just going to say. All the others. LeBron's in crisis mode yeah, reading nah, those Space Jam reviews. It's, no, it's okay. CP3 didn't have a good game, so he can't tweet anything. That's, That's the rule. true. Banana boat uh, umbrace. You think he's going to tweet two to go for Giannis? <laughs> no. 
No, I don't think so, actually. Um, yeah, I, I just you hope Giannis is better all around next game, but I think it is encouraging to see. What? That's an insane sentence. No, it's not, because though. It, he was, he no, was no, no, not that's, good. No, that's the point, because it's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, it, you're completely right. It's, it's more just, important that he delivers, though, which is yes, the point. He can't yes. have delivered in a bigger way than he yes. ultimately did. But he was not good for most love, of this game. It, it, Rohan has a good point. Giannis is not good. 26-14 with five offensive boards, eight assists, three steals, two blocks. And but the we, greatest we play know. in Bucks history. Yeah. For sure. But, for sure. But, it ended up good, but it wasn't yeah, good. Yeah. And honestly, more than the numbers, it's like how he played. His whole vibe, couple of plays where they break down, and you know he's the guy who could at oh, least attempt to close out. The first just, Jay Crowder just look, three was just look pissed, and he's like, "No, I'm gonna stand here. I'm yeah. just gonna stand here. I'm not gonna close out. We're in the finals." At that point, you're like, oh, "Something is up. Like this isn't right." But <laughs> the guy just that play is pure determination. It's obviously all of his athletic gifts. It's his incredible timing. It's his awareness of where everyone is in the court what's happening in the game at that moment but to actually get there and pull it off so much of that is just sheer determination as well and does anyone want a championship more than Giannis is anyone been living been working every day for this moment maybe Pat I don't know Thanasis. Um it- <laughs> It might be Pat. I was reading an article earlier, and, and Giannis is like, "Yeah, Pat's the only guy who works harder than me." So <laughs> maybe we've got to give Pat his credit there. But that's that's just kind of everything that for years and years, you know, you talk about, oh, Giannis's work ethic, and he's going to improve on this, and he's going to work on that. This was a moment where it wasn't about that. It's just like split second. What have you got? What can you make happen here? And he made something happen that no other player in the league can make happen. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis 
analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Should we talk about Chris? We should because, I mean, we, we've had multiple great Chris games in this playoff run. And we had a game that we called the Brook Lopez legacy game. This is the Chris Middleton legacy game. It doesn't mean that there won't be more to come and that he, you know, the books may well need him to have more. They do. But he was just like, you know, grown man performance from Chris, just doing everything the books needed, everything the books needed, keeping the scoreboard ticking over. No one else was coming close to doing that. Like, this is going to be the game that I even think, you know, beyond the block, it's going to be the Devin Booker game because people are going to talk about everything Devin Booker did offensively, his incredible shot making, which let's first of all, like tip the hat to that. He was incredible. And then the other side of the Devin Booker conversation is going to be like the nine fouls he had. Yep. And he, his, he ultimately had to take himself out of the game because the refs just weren't going to do it at all. Like 38 points of regular of, of real points. But but not to get sidetracked onto Devin Booker right now, Chris Middleton had just two points less. Yep. Just two points less. You know, he was just as good. He was making the same kind of shots. The books were doing a better job of actually freeing him up for open shots. But he was having to make tough, tough shots down the stretch, and he was stepping up to the mark time and time again and doing it. And he had a couple of rough spells in the game. I think it was early second quarter. He went pretty cold, but he kept shooting. Look at that. The best part of it all. 33 field goal attempts for Chris Middleton in a must-win game, the biggest game of his career. It's the thing that we've been on him about already in this series. It's the thing that you're always worried about is it's not the game where he doesn't make shots. It's the game where he doesn't take shots. This occasion, he took the shots and he made more than his fair share. He made exactly as many as the books needed him to. And his playmaking, even from early in the game, he just had a feel for this game tonight that other players didn't. When Giannis didn't have it, when Drew was all over the place, Chris was the guy who could step up with control and he could pick out a teammate or he could make a shot. It was surgical down the stretch. They were just spamming Giannis-Chris actions because they knew that they were going to get a good look every time. Ty, this is if there's one victory lap you should take, it's this one. In that you have this, you've been championing, championing throughout the years. Wow, this is a struggle. <laughs> uh, that uh, just spam Giannis Chris actions down the stretch, and I, I have to agree with you. That's the way to go. And they realized, oh, we have to do this because nothing else is working. They once nobody again, else, nobody else is yes, working. Is really the issue. And this is like the one action that they can get where you don't have to rely on a three-point shooter in order to create a good look. In that, in other actions that the Bucks run, a lot of their spacing is predicated on open three-point shooters. The honest Chris two-man action does not rely on that. And it doesn't help when, you know, the team is once again shooting seven for 29 from three. I was looking up like, oh man, how bad was that compared to this postseason? 
They've done worse than that five times in this postseason run. Five. And yet. Five. This and is. Yet. Yeah. And yet they're tied in the NBA Finals. That stat just absolutely blew my mind. Like, oh my goodness, 24.1% from three? That's got to be the worst. Nope, it's the sixth worst this postseason. I hate this team. <laughs> Nothing goes their way. That's the story of this team. Nothing goes their way. And it doesn't matter, and they find a way to win anyway. That was Chris's game. Chris finally gets to the free throw line. Eight attempts in this game. That's huge. That's something that needs to continue. One and he should have had more. Games. He, he should have more. He absolutely should have. But it Take was the nice. one where uh, he, he scored, but Mikael Bridges hit him on the head. It's oh, yeah. like, how does that not get calls along with the other 30 I will say about this game. I thought it was an overall just terribly officiated game. I One think of the worst I've ever seen. Well, it was against awful. the Bucks, but it wasn't a rigged job for either team. I just, they were just terrible officials, I thought. I do think the timing of it, the Bucks got the brunt of it late. Yeah, the Suns And obviously getting, in the most notable ways. Yeah. But the, the Suns had their own spells where Earlier sure, in the fourth, you could, feel, it was you could tough. feel bad about it. Yeah, uh, but it really it turned so hard on the books and the stretch. Yeah. Like when you were doing your intro earlier, and you were like, "Oh, you know, you saw some of the calls were going," and you went back to I. I just thought you were gonna say 2001. I just thought oh. you were gonna because I've become the person that I always swore I would not become <laughs> because when Booker fell out for the first time without being called, I was just like. I'm sorry, Ty, this is an explicit part now, but holy, holy shit. This is actually, these people have been right all along. (laughs) It's all rigged. Well, I've wasted all these years. It's rigged. It's rigged against this team because how is that? I've never seen. It might be the worst call I'd ever seen until they did it again, twice more, where you're like, okay, this is now seriously weird. Because even when that happened, my instinct was, Okay, he's gonna get he's gonna get called for something really soft. The makeup call has got to come because they're gonna huddle, they're gonna be shouted at by Bud, by players. PJ Tucker was on the bench think at the time, but you could see him really oh, fired yeah. up. And I'm the other thing too, and I was like, okay, everyone just keep their camp. The books could not have afforded to get called for a tech. No. And the officiating was that bad that I would not have been stunned if they're like, you know what, we're gonna call a tech on someone in the finals at this point. But they didn't. But in that moment, and really with the way it was officiated down the stretch, it was all set up for, you know, just more pain. More pain, endless pain. The kind of pain the book fans will pass down from generation to generation to generation so everyone could be miserable forever. If we make it that far. And then the books just went and won anyway. Just went and won anyway, so we can all forget about it. They got in the bonus. The Suns were in the bonus at around like eight the seven, mark? yeah, around the seven and a half, eight minute mark, and that's the stretch you guys were referring to earlier, where it just the Bucks got the brunt of it late because there was just a stretch, like a two to three minute stretch, where they got three of their fourteen fouls in there, and I was just like, "Are you are you serious?" <laughs> like again, this was a terrible game for both teams. For both teams, I will say that it's just I'm act, I'm actually glad they didn't call any text. It's almost like self realization. Like yeah, yeah, we really fucked this up. Like <laughs> I guess we're, we're we can we can accept if you're gonna if you're gonna get mad at us because we deserve it. Like hey, shout out to the officials for realizing that they were bad. <laughs> How about the clear path foul that wasn't? How was that not? That's not a clear path foul. How? 
Because uh, Booker had fouled uh, middle before before. the ball is out of Chris's hands. Uh, so it's just a foul on Chris. The the pass isn't off, yeah. so you're just fouling Chris. I thought it was on the jersey pull. I didn't have a volume. No, the jersey pull was before the pass as well. So so there's just there's there's no foul before the ball is out of his hands. So the foul is basically stopping the play from the point where Chris has the ball. It is stupid because I it is a clear foul. After the Atlanta series, the only team to get a clear path a clear path foul against them was the Bucks. I mean, like, Atlanta never did clear path fouls. They're actually smart about they take fouls. They're really good at take so, fouls. Yeah, sorry to be it's like a like a bummer right now, but they they never actually committed any clear path. It's, it, I, it's it was terrible to watch, and it should yeah. be outlawed. But they're they really good it. at it. They've got a lot of practice. They can work yeah. on it in Cancun. The Suns uh, have got plenty of practice of fouling too. I mean, just generally, I did tweet this. If the Suns are going to be so upset about the free throws. Maybe they should just stop fouling. Maybe to. stop fouling. Stop fouling everyone. Like it's just relentless fouling. Like I really all the time when Devin Booker was in foul trouble too. I just kept being like, "There's no way he's even going to come close to fouling out." It's Devin Booker. Like he's not going to find himself in the kind of spots where he's going to have to foul over and over again. And he could have fouled out four times. He ultimately did. Like no, he just didn't. Incredible. No, he did. He had to put. He he called it like himself, and he took himself out of the game. This well, is what happened. He, but he didn't foul out. He didn't foul out. End of the five. Yeah. Oh, well, I I don't know. I do not know what's happening. I thought he'd actually fouled out in like. He the fouled, final. Uh, Shout out to. They, uh, they never gave him a sixth foul. Nope. Nope. Never. Uh, Nick Wright said he's the first uh, player in the NBA Finals to uh, score forty and have seven fouls. At uh, MK Roberts, had, that's my he had at that's least my fun nine. stat for the pod. He had at least nine fouls. I I can't believe that. I'm angry about it now. The Bucks won. <laughs> They're about to win a championship, but I'm angry. I thought he actually did fail out eventually, but no. <laughs> Truly incredible. The Bucks were at home. <laughs> Bucks are at home, and they couldn't get. And like any of the obvious Booker fouls to be called. Amazing. They're going to need two more Chris games like this because I don't think they're going to get much gift wrap to them uh, going forward. Not with two of the games in Phoenix, at least. Um, although Chris Paul did kind of gift wrap a bit to the Bucks tonight. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's so, talk about uh, Chris and Drew, honestly. Chris Paul and Drew. Mm-hmm. So they kind of go together. So... You can say that uh, Chris Paul did not have his best game uh, tonight, and he's. This has just been sort of a downward spiral for Chris Paul after his magnificent Game One performance, where he had, I believe, thirty or an obscene amount of points on like twelve of nineteen shooting, and uh, it's slowly and slowly gone downhill. A lot of that has been attributed to Drew Holiday being more aggressive on him, but also Chris Paul is being not Chris Paul-like. And it's uh-huh. it's very strange to see, especially in this game. We saw a lot of carelessness with the ball. Like he was doing between-the-leg crossovers on the baseline and throwing passes away from his center. It was just, it was strange to see. He had a truthful jump shot come up short. Yeah, it was perfectly <laughs> positioned. It was like a little push shot after he got, uh, I believe it was a PJ to bite. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just, yeah, he came up short on it. It's, I mean, I guess that's Chris Paul, but it's, uh, get it short. Uh, oh, we got well, it. I mean, that's the, 
Listen, when you're six feet tall and 35 years old in the NBA, it gets really hard. It gets really hard. And I just think like physicality wearing on them in this series. Absolutely. And I just think it's just careless turnovers. I, but that's got to be fatigue. Like that's I think does. he's getting beat up. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to play at that size at that age. Like it's incredible. He has had the years he's had in the past few, but add that to a long playoff run. Like, you know, there's a reason I think he would never, he was never able to stay fully healthy throughout the Rockets years. Like even then he was old. Now he's like really old. And it's just like, it's showing through. Like they're asking him to carry when Booker's out. He can't do it. I mean, he can't, he couldn't get that much against Teague. He got nothing against Drew. And I actually thought late in the game, they should have put somebody else on CP. And like, I just, I don't think he was shooting his way out of it at that point. I think every time Chris is being on him, it's being good. They did. Whenever, uh, when Devin Booker came back into the game after he had his like four or five fouls, they put Drew on him and put Chris on CP or they put Tucker on CP because they know he just didn't have it that night. And Drew Holiday, they needed to put him on Booker. So I thought that was a good switch. Like that's, it's great that you pointed out that out tie because Drew Holiday, even though we'll talk about this in a little bit here, even though he's been, I don't, a tire fire is being just generous to his offensive output in the series so he's far. Make layups, which is, turns he's out just, problematic. He's probably going to be good the next game. I, I mean, he's well, just so wild. We said, we said that the last two games. So. <laughs> <laughs> but like his defense has been astounding. It's just been incredible. He, for as much as I just said about Chris Paul being off, and while that still remains true, Drew Holiday is doing the best he can to put Chris Paul in situations that are not favorable for Chris Paul. And he's doing that by being physical. He's wearing him out in this series when calls are clearly not happening for either team. He's realizing that he's like, I can play up more, except if you're PJ Tucker, but that's a different story. Um, PJ Tucker is just not going to get a whistle anytime as a Milwaukee nope. Buck. Nope. Um, <clears throat> but Drew Holiday is just putting Chris Paul in the hell prison that Laz, Laz has talked about this entire season. It's just incredible. Someone tweeted see. this. Sorry, to, but you, you <laughs> said you basically got to it. I can't remember. I should have made note of this. Someone tweeted that, you know, Drew Holiday has put Chris Paul in jail. He's also gotten to jail with him, and he's thrown away the key. And that is exactly what was happening. I don't know. No, who it was it that. was a uh, uh, streaky shooter. That's who it was. Uh, it was streaky shooter. shooter. You're one hundred percent right. And I was like, yeah, that that just one hundred percent accurate. That <laughs> like it's exactly what was happening. He locked him and himself in a room and threw out the key. <laughs> But yeah, he he's been their most versatile defender somehow in this series, even though Giannis is being unreal. Drew Holiday has just gone from guarding Chris Paul to Devin Booker, who are both elite guards, but two very, very, very different players. And he's being asked to switch mentality on an instant, and he's doing it. And it's incredible. It, I've said this throughout the postseason. It makes up a little bit for his offensive inconsistencies. Like, you'll live with that if he's giving his all on the defensive end. There, you're just not, you can't ask for like a perfect performance. That's why he's not like a superstar. That's mm-hmm. why he's not like even like a star per se. 
that just that doesn't happen unless you're like a Giannis, unless you're a Kawhi, unless you're like a KD, a LeBron. Those are the only guys that bring it on both ends every night, and that's why they are the all-time greats. Drew Holiday isn't that, so you have to live with his offensive inconsistencies if it means that you're getting A-plus Drew Holiday on the defensive end. I just need layups, though. That's well, also fair. But this is, this, is, <laughs> this is the thing. So he did have a good game in Game 3. This is yes, when, when you said wrong. He had, he's had a, he just had a good game, and I remember us talking about it after the game, being like, hmm, this is Phil's gold because he's 5 of 10 from deep. And oh, for five tonight. Exactly. And he's living and dying by the jump shot because for some reason he cannot make a layup to save his life. And Unless this is, campaign is on. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. He made some layups in the second half generally. First half, it was like the one that he did make, he nearly whiffed on from like, again, a foot. And you're just like, what is going on? There's like some dare I say mental barrier there that he was well, kind of he, he started he was passing out against. of layups he, two different times in this game at least he passed out of a layup and I was like he was like Giannis getting fouled late in the game and not wanting to shoot free throws I, I tweeted I was like I'm conflicted because it might be the right play considering the way he shot layups but also you need to be able to make layups like I can live with the jumper being inconsistent I wish he wouldn't take as many uh, I agreed with you it felt like he doesn't really, thankfully, play like this as much, but earlier Giannis, like, he would make his first three, and you're just like, oh, no. One for yeah. eight from three incoming. That was Drew Holiday last game to this game. Like, just make layups, dude. Like, you can punish anyone they have on the floor with the possible exceptions of Crowder. And well, we've seen him do it to Aiton. Um, I thought Crowder had a really strong defensive game until he started just diving all over the place like he was running from grenades. But... um yeah, I just make layups, Drew. That's it. Like, but I, I do. I obviously recognize. I, I'm gonna invaluable. I'm gonna bet that he makes at least three triples in in game five. Take it. Like it, it, this is this is just how it works. Or if we if he has another bad game in game five, it'll come good in game six. And this is a frustration because this is a big part of what we thought we'd moved away from when Eric Bledsoe was gone. It was like. Okay, whatever it's going to be, we're going to get night in, night out, solid production. It doesn't have to be superstar level, but it won't be complete no-show. And yet there are these games. His defense is just so much better than Bledsoe's really, really good defense that it, it's just still bringing you to the point where you're on the verge of a championship. Like truly, truly incredible. Imagine if he was consistent. Imagine if he found a level where he was pretty like just night to night. You could rely on what you were getting from in this series. The books, you know, they might have been lifting a trophy tonight. <laughs> it's it's entirely possible if that guy is just there and you can rely on him. But I, I think the defense is incredible. I am curious with Paul, like I'm interested by what you're saying, I don't know if I'm quite there yet. It's kind of like the Booker thing where I didn't want to write Booker off last time. And for the reason that we saw tonight where it's just, let's just not do that. I don't want to doubt Chris Paul completely. But honestly, the, the thing with Chris Paul is, and to your point of when you're that size and you're that age, you just can't overcome some stuff. He reminded me of Giannis tonight. I thought they played very similar games, but at Chris Paul's size and Chris Paul's age, he doesn't have a way to just 
you know, keep the scoreboard ticking over, get in, get some easy dunks and have a stat line that looks pretty respectable. And the case of both guys, it was kind of like, they're both hurt, right? They're, they're both feeling something, which they probably are. And, you know, the other 10 guys kind of seeing the floor most often that like, could apply to two. But like when you say that you think Chris Paul, this might be the toll of it. Do you think he's going to have another game like this in the series? Wouldn't surprise me. Like Rohan said, uh, Rohan or Adam, I forget which one. It might have been before we started recording. He ends up with a better shooting line than Drew Holiday and also puts up seven assists and four rebounds. It felt a lot worse than it looks on the stat sheet, but I could see one more like this in the next three. If they, Well, I guess we'll have to see how often Drew is on him. I think that is fueling it, but I think they have found some sort of a recipe of start with Drew on CP. If that's going really well and then Booker's doing something, then move him over because I think it's so much harder to get going again after a really tough start like that than it is to, you know, get like just from the beginning against a worse defender, get going. I will say one quick thing on book bucks delivered the Suns their first loss in a game where Booker shoots 42% or better from the field. Mm. They were undefeated. My stat from the pod. It's your favorite stat. It's a good stat. It is a good stat. I will say that. It was a good start. It has now died death, and we're very pleased that it has, you know, mm-hmm. good riddance. I think that makes it a better stat. Yeah, it's true. I, I mean, we can cherish it now rather than if it had gone the other way. I wouldn't have liked Ty to be here saying, remember that stat, you know, I'm right again. I would have been like, shut up, Ty. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear it. The one thing with Chris Paul that I am buying at this point is the turnovers, which is an incredible sentence to Three say. Three straight games with, what, at least five? Yeah, it's just, he's uncomfortable. 17 turnovers for the Suns in this game. Two, five for the Bucks. That's your ball game, and then some, because if the Bucks don't have that mega, mega advantage in the turnover battle, you know, they're in a lot of trouble. Um, they scored the 24, 24 points off turnovers for the books to five for the Suns. So the books gained 19 points off of turnovers over the Suns in a game that they won by six points with the help of some fouls like the game. Um, you know, so that's that's the game. They found a way to turn over Chris Paul, turn over Devin Booker, and that in its own right is just a mega achievement. Just like no one else has come close to doing that. And the books have got it to a point where you're like, it feels like that's going to happen every game. The Suns had 120% more turnovers in the first half than the Bucks did in the entire game. 140, excuse me. They had seven in the first half. It's the thing with the shot making too, because when we talk about the books and like you talked about the percentages earlier, Rohan, the Suns are having to make the shots they're making to overcome the turnovers. Like that's the difference. And that's where I think it's hard for books fans to feel that in the moment, but those shots for all the difficult shots, they're just keeping them like afloat. That's how the game when at halftime, it's like, how is this a six point game? Is that what it was? Yeah. Tied. Six point game. It was Sorry, tied, tied at the half six point game after three quarters. And you're like, how how are they here? And the reason is for all the shots they made, those shots were just digging them out of holes that they were creating by giving the ball up cheaply and then by getting burned by the books and punished um, 
like that that's gotta be. I'd have to look closer into all of Yanis's points, but like there were quite a few that were in transition. Obviously, stuff like the steal off the inbounds where he just kind of tips it away from Aiton, which again, mega, mega play. Like will just get forgotten as a defensive play, but just awareness and just the ability to be like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna reach my arm out and get this off. Was you and this go, the okay. best defensive game we've ever seen from Giannis? No, because Not all around, yeah, he lost all those shooters in the first. He half. lost those shooters. Okay, and he, so it was the and he second half, tried. the best defensive half we've seen. The last five minutes included two of his best ever plays. Yeah, his best ever play and another one that's right in the mix. Like so, he was able to turn it right up because I I remember even saying that it, probably in the first half in our group chat is like, yeah, this doesn't look right, but the biggest problem is the energy isn't there defensively. And it really wasn't. And to go from that to then the plays that he made on that end late in the game is just truly astonishing. You guys want to know something fun? Uh, Always. Is it, is, are these ever fun? Oh, this probably will be. They won tonight. I don't know why I'm just being judged before I even say it. I said always. Yeah, Adam was. I was supporting you. I was skeptical. So uh, in the previous games of the series, the two inactive players have been Axel Tupan and Dante DiVincenzo. Today it was Sam Merrill and Dante DiVincenzo. So there was an, there was an, and there was no updates to the injury report, which means there was Bud doesn't adjust. There was a conscious effort to make Axel Tupan available tonight, and I just want that to be known. Inbounds plays, maybe Thanasis was. Yeah, that, that was my thought too. Um... Because well, we we don't need to get down to Sam Merrill. You know? <laughs> we don't need to. Tonight is not the night where we need to debate the merits of Sam Merrill. Um, but yeah, okay, that was we had. I, about... I gave you the benefit of the doubt. I don't know if you delivered wrong, but I'll it's an interlude. Come on, <laughs> we're um, professionals. We had like four years to talk about the Sam Merrills of the world. We don't need to worry about them uh, tonight, thankfully. <laughs> What was that, Rohan? It's no. I was I was just closing the loop. It's supposed to sound cool. This is the man who just said we're professionals. I mean, are we? No. Yes. Let's let the listeners decide. <laughs> Leave an Apple review. Leave uh, a five star rating if we are. Leave a five star rating if we're not. <laughs> there we go. I want to talk about Lopez versus Portis because I thought this was a fascinating game for that kind of. I don't even know what the word is. Platoon, I guess, now. Uh, Portis gets one more minute despite one for six from the field. Made his only three. Somehow, Bobby Portis 0 for 5 from deep. But five rebounds, one steal, one block, plus seven despite the awful shooting. Meanwhile, in 19 Lopez minutes, he is four for nine. Makes all six of his free throws, though. Uh, One rebound, one steal. Bucks are a team low minus 13 despite his 14 points. I thought it made more of a difference on offense than defense having Portis for Lopez. I thought the defense, it's the same things we kept seeing. And it's not even Lopez necessarily, although the 0 for 5 from deep isn't great. You don't expect that from him. But I just think the spacing looks different with Portis out there. And I think that's at least a solid part of the reason we're seeing him with Giannis more if we did tonight at least, then then Lopez with the honest. I just feel like again, I think we talked about this after game two or game three, like Drew's woes around the paint, like 
one easier way to get more space is just to have more shooters out there. And although he hasn't been very good in the postseason, I do think Portis is closer to that than Lopez. He's he's very, very afraid to shoot right now. Yeah, it's, I hate it. It's the other thing. I hate it. Like we talked about his slow release. It's slower than slow, and he's just he's trying to find every reason not to shoot. Can't happen. I mean, Pat has to make all the shots he's making because the other guys who might be able to make a shot have just stopped. Like Bryn Forbes officially out of the rotation. Thank God. But that means, you know, Bobby, if you got some chances, wide open trees, take the shot. You're going to be needed to take the shot. I'm still I'm still torn on this, I'll be honest. I mean, I don't care. They can split these minutes, whatever they, wa- they want. And if there's two more books wins here, I will never talk about it again. And I doubt Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis would either. Bobby on defense is hard and mouth stuff. He got he nearly got dropped like four times. And it's it's just not good. It is not good at all. He is not comfortable out there. He's the guy that they pick on like they pick on Pat, but he he is the book where when you see him on an island, you're like, he actually can't do this. There isn't really a good contest coming. It's about whether the shot's going to be made or not. And on this occasion, I, I think it was good that Chris Paul didn't have it because Chris Paul rocked him and got good shots a few times that he just wasn't making anything. So that it remains something that's a little scary. A little is definitely underselling it. It, it scares the hell out of me. But plus seven, something is working there. You know, something is working. We talked about it in the pregame show we did. The numbers are saying, particularly when he's out there with Giannis, that good things are happening. It's not always easy to see. It's not always necessarily tied to Portis's contributions, which that would bring it back to what you're saying, Ty, where it's just maybe the spacing is better and maybe the overall net impact of what his presence on the floor is doing is just worth more than some of the issues that are arising from his actual individual play. Yeah, I think it's more of the... It's it's weird most of the time, Brooke Lopez being deceptively long, I've fully leaned into attack. Congratulations. Has uh, Did you notice that Mark Jackson said early in the game, he counted I've, it on the books, deceptively really I was really hoping you would not bring this <laughs> Did you notice that? I, I actually did. missed it. He, he, said, he talked specifically, he made reference to the book's deceptive length. So you're telling me Mark Jackson's a listener. Exactly what I was about to say. So I can give you, we've got one listener. I think we may already have said things in this series that he might have stopped listening after that. All like, due respect. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure if that was on air or not, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was really hoping no one picked up on that because <laughs> professionals. Was, yeah, I, I was I was hoping that we would not realize that uh, the deceptive length is now a thing. It's a real thing, but. I guess it is now. It's now part of the NBA canon. Um, but yeah, it's sometimes his just his size works against him in terms of the Bucks' overall offensive scheme because it he sort of clogs things up a little bit. Bobby's a little smaller. He's a little faster, and that sort of helps the Bucks' offense in that people can move around a little bit better. I don't know if it's it's I don't know if it's that, but that's the one thing I can think of 
that would really make any sense in terms of the flow of the offense for why Bobby Portis would be better than Brook Lopez, especially when Bobby isn't hitting his shots and he hasn't been hitting his shots. That's the one thing that makes sense to me. So even if Chris Paul and Devin Booker are going to try to take advantage of Brook Lopez and Bobby Portis, on the offensive end, the Bucks' offense will move a little bit quicker. It'll move that half step faster. And that's been the recipe for killing the Suns is you have to play them fast because the Suns want to slow things down in terms of half court when Chris Paul is on the court. I know they're a very fast team overall, but when Chris Paul is on the court, he's going to want to slow things down, especially in these late game situations, these final situations just as a whole. So if you want to beat them, you have to play faster than them. You have to play play faster than the Chris Paul team. And Bobby Portis helps with that. I'm, I'm now trying to figure out, and maybe I've cracked how book how Bud is actually approaching, you know, Brooke and Bobby and where he's dangerous Pepe Sylvia territory you're in here. I think it might be that it's has Brooke got the three point shot. And that comes back to your spacing because I guess they just want to see Giannis get as many clear runs at Aiton as possible and get Aiton out of the game if they can. And we'll get back to it again. But Monty Williams again, very obliging at taking his best players out of the game if they find themselves in foul trouble. <laughs> but that might be the thing, because Brooke is 0-5 tonight, and then it's just like, well, even if Bobby doesn't shoot it, they're going to respect him more, just kind of to begin with. I think his athleticism plays into it some as well. I just think it helps everything else move a bit. The tough thing with Lopez is he's still clearly more effective on offense when mm-hmm. he's in the paint. but On defense. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and defense for sure. Uh, I was a little surprised they never switched with him. I, I still didn't think that was as bad as everyone else, and the drop was like Booker was loved it. He was a huge fan of that. So I didn't love the way they played him defensively. I would like to switch it up more. But offensively, too, he's certainly better in the paint. They just don't have that real estate, to shout out to Pat, to to give up to him. Like, there's other players that need that, namely Giannis and then secondarily Drew. And it just gets tough. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing if he's he's going to be out there. Like, I know Giannis has stupid numbers as the pick-and-roll ball handler. Wouldn't mind seeing some Giannis Brook and then, like, whoever the smaller guy ends up with, like, just throw an alley-oop to that guy. I mean, just, like, toss it. I mean, it's not even an alley-oop at that size. You're just, like, kind of throwing it straight forward if you're Giannis. Like, some weird stuff like that might work to let both of them use the paint. It's super weird. I don't know if the Bucks are going to bust that out or not, but – they do they, like they never run. they never run it as much as they should. Like it's something no. they should go to more. Particularly, you look at some of the shots Pat's been getting. If you run Giannis Brook pick and roll, you can get Chris in those spots. Maybe yeah. you know it's like there's a lot of good options that could come they, from that. It doesn't work because they just foul him every time and they won't get called because they're both massive. Well, I mean, you foul him if you want. If it's an alley oop, it's still two points. Like, no, I mean, they're good. They're going to shut off Lopez from getting to the rim in terms of getting into good positioning. It's it's not something that works. The Giannis is a ball handler. He was actually the most efficient pick-and-roll ball handler in the entire league in the uh-huh. regular season, like you were mentioning, Ty, just super efficient. It's It works because of the threat of the shooter flaring out because that's another defender that has to be like, oh, my God, I have to go. There's a wide-open three-point shooter coming. So... 
I guess I have to like sort of hedge against Giannis and it's just like, okay, I'm going to go dunk the basketball sort of thing, or I'm going to be, I'm going to lay it up. I'm going to finish at the rim. That's what makes it so efficient is because you're introducing another spacing threat in the opposite direction of Giannis's forward momentum. And that's why that works a lot. It doesn't even have to be a flare to the three point line. It, it can just be anywhere. It can be to the elbow. It can be a Chris Middleton jumper. It's just anything away from the rim. So if you're running another roller alongside Giannis, it it doesn't work as well because they can just pack the paint that much easier. Yeah, but if they go in front of Brooke, you just throw it to Brooke. And if they hedge to Brooke, then Giannis can get to the rim. And there is also... In theory, this works. I would like to see it. I mean, all we can talk about is in theory because they never do it. His comfort shooting, right? Whether they believe he's going to make them, they may well live with it. But you've got a very genuine, you know, this is going to feed into something that's got a lot of praise. Um, I've heard a lot of very smart people praise it in recent days, and that is the book's random play. You're introducing a more random element to your offense if you're running more Yanis Brook pick and rolls because of the options you have. Like you, you can toy with the idea. Okay, is Brook gonna pop? And if you could get more off-ball movement, let's say you have Chris out there and you have Pat out there, and then with Pat you've got cutters. I, I think it's an interesting action to start from, where it's like, okay, what kind of looks are you giving Yanis? What reads can he then make, and what will that do for your offense? We've got we've, a we've, we've got, got a, a special guest. Street. We've got a reporter, boots on the ground, now returned home. Hello, Jordan. Hello. (laughs) Does my voice sound okay? Not really. (laughs) It sounds better than Tali's voice. I was going to say, it's Uh, not the worst on here. Rowan's voice has improved as we've gone on. I think Rowan's found some life he was struggling to begin with. But yeah. You've got the propeller hat on. People will have seen this on social media. The lucky hat knows all. That's all. That's all we Jordan, have to say. <laughs> when, when was the last time you were at Pfizer Forum? Have you ever been in Pfizer Forum for a book loss? Uh, no. We're, see, we're going to get you tickets for game six here. Someone's going to reach out with tickets. Oh, God. For, <laughs> oh, um, God. And then, yeah. But you've ne- do you remember the game you saw at the Bradley Center that they lost? Um, it would have been 2015, 16. You I do think I you know I think I know. I think I know what game it was. I think it was the game that Jason K got tossed. The, it was the night the Zarba game. That was Zarba game. <laughs> that was the last Bucks loss I saw in person. No, wait, maybe not. I don't know. That's a good game to be there. That's I mean, a, that oh, always yeah, counts as a win. Yeah. I and mean, we saw better theatrics tonight than uh, dramatics tonight than that. Good Lord. What the that, hell? That's Jay Crowder you're talking about? I, I mean, take your pick, guys. Let's take the your officials. <laughs> David Guthrie, James Capers. Give us, give us some thoughts from being in the arena. Um, a lot of beer chugging. More beer chugging than I remembered. Um. <laughs> And I'm just thinking too. I look. I look at the prices of all these things, and I'm just like, the Coors Light's like thirteen dollars, <laughs> and I'm just like, these guys, they just got it for thirteen dollars, and it's gone in ten seconds. It's just done. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
Um, you see, yeah, I love that you've come on after they've just won Game Four to tie up the series. I'm Talk like, thoughts from the arena, and you're the like, the cores is thirteen dollars. <laughs> Guys, buy it, and then it's gone. You enjoy yeah, it for kids. <laughs> can't say enough good things about Coors Light. Exactly, no. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm chilling. Um, no, I mean, it was certainly as intense as it felt or any playoff or any game I've been to. What am I talking about? It's the finals. Um, and it'd be just, I don't, I don't know how to like arrange my thoughts in a way that is good for podcasting, but just be glad to join <laughs> yes, you're welcome. Listen back um, to the intro. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just the last five minutes of that game is like tattooed in my brain of just like you feel like you're. It just felt like they were chasing that game the whole time, and that was what happened. And then Pat hits the three, and it just felt like okay, that's the breakthrough. And then was that not the start of Jay Crowder's like awfulness, right, or something like that, or? I think it's a little before that. A little bit before that. He took it to a new level. Um, <laughs> and then you're just like, where is this going to come from? Like, where, is it going to be Chris? Is it going to be Giannis? I mean, that in itself was watching Giannis tonight too was very strange. I know I was messaging you guys when I had the time, but like, he just felt so detached from everything. Like, even the timeouts, you know, as long as they are now, like, Half of them, he'd be like either on like the, where the scoreboard table is, and then would come into the huddle when they start like drawing up plays and stuff like that. It was just super weird vibe and energy from Giannis specifically. Then of course it gets erased because you know he has the greatest play of defensive play in the in finals or second greatest defensive play in finals history. Uh, not according to Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton oh. is currently on the. Uh, He's currently doing his media rounds, making a case that uh, Giannis's block should be ahead of LeBron's block in Game Seven in 2016 as the greatest block of all time. It certainly this comes courtesy of, courtesy of Tim Bontemps. It's certainly more heads up, right? Like, who is making that recovery? Because if you look at it, it looks like an automatic bucket. It's it's more impressive than a, than a chase down because the chase down is right in front of you. Yeah. Giannis already did the chase down. But that's you you can see. I, I know you've got to close the space. I know you've got to be an absolute freak to get the chase down, but you're literally chasing it down. It's there for you to go and get. It's the fact that he had to turn on this. It's the fact that just it was the whole awareness of you know, spatial awareness of where he was. Where I saw his quote was he was expecting to get dunked on. He didn't think yeah. he had a chance of blocking it which that speaks to it in its own right. It's like he's going up there being like, I got dunked on, and yet he's actually quick enough to get up there and block it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I made the case, Jordan. I'm just curious as to whether you would agree or disagree with this, that that's the greatest highlight in Milwaukee Bucks history. Um, I would defer to... the maybe the skyhook just because of like how we we knocked it to number two that was number one i think this but that's it's on that par like yeah. that's where it is that's that's the only other it's, highlight there yeah. yeah with kareem in attendance yeah. was that the the books ellipse you think we saw it tonight <laughs> that might have been the books ellipse jordan i wanted to ask did the energy in the building change on Booker's obviously not called sixth foul because that's when it reminded me of the yeah, Nets what was game seven. That? Yeah, we have no idea, but it reminded me of the Nets game seven where it felt like they were flat, 
And then the calls, and there were awful calls all throughout the game oh. for both teams. I like think more yeah. against the Bucks late, but I just felt like they kind of they had this edge after that. Like, oh fuck this! Like we're not going out to something like this. And that's when it felt like to me the game turned. And I was like, I love that the Bucks are just like it's like a, the O one revenge tour. They're like, not again. Yeah. No, I I definitely agree with that. I mean, it's hard to like keep up with what calls didn't like make the crowd irate at you know especially that fourth quarter it just felt like call after call and granted some of it came to the bucks side too i'm not you know defending that but like it it was just this mountain of all this stuff and you know you think yeah it was just crazy and then you could tell like how players were hyped pat was certainly hyped after the game just winning that game portis like all the guys that you, you would expect like just being crazily just in it Chris hitting that uh which should have been an and one too like that was ridiculous like at with how many seconds left to go it was something late but yeah it was the energy just like it certainly felt like the game itself where it's like it kept rising 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 and then fourth quarter all of this like <laughs> the the tomfoolery of the the file calls and just the officials and just like Devin Booker hitting crazy shots. Like I, as like annoying and just, it just felt like they kept talking to the officials the whole freaking time. Um, and I, I hate this stuff. I, you guys know, I hate this stuff, but it, it's such a dominating storyline after that. Um, and then just to see like overcoming the odds and just hitting these shots of like, you know, it was unreal, just unreal. Bucks versus everybody. Exactly. <laughs> and I, can we really get bold now? I, like I, oh I think boy. we've avoided this for long enough. I, I really think they might be destined to win this championship. Adam, when you uh, when you mentioned earlier in the series that the Suns haven't really faced any challenges, uh, super big challenges heading into this series, that's immediately what I thought of after this game and during this game, realistically, especially during the late third or no, mostly just the fourth quarter. When I, uh, did you see Chris Paul when he was walking down the tunnel after the game? Did you see his face? It was different. I just. I don't want to do this. I avoided this earlier. I don't want to play the, you know, I don't think we're going to see a good Chris Paul, but it like gut punch, gut punch, Devin Booker too. And obviously with the way Devin Booker played to put in that performance, it's like, you know, he had his 70 points in a loss as they noted on the broadcast. So this is not entirely new for him to put in incredible performances and son's losses. But I, I honestly like it's, you let off with it, Ty, where this is like, it brings you right back to, to game seven against the Nets. And it's like, they don't have it, but they're there, they're there, they're there. And then they find a way to win. Guys step up, they make incredible plays. This team cannot be killed. I think this championship is theirs. You don't even need to go back that far to game seven. You just need to go back to the transition between games two and three in this series. If mm-hmm. you want to say like, oh, Devin Booker put up 40 points in a loss, Giannis already did that this series. And they came back in game three. They're like, no, we're not going down 3-0. Giannis puts up another 40-burger. And then they win the game. Now they've won another one. This is how this team responds. Now it's on Phoenix. We know how this team responds. We've seen it before. We, I don't know if we're going to see it again because they might. we might not need to. But 
we don't know how Phoenix is really going to respond to this. The last time they faced this sort of adversity was in the first round against the Lakers, and they had Anthony Davis miss time, and that's how they, you know, that's that's what happened. Like, I'm not saying, oh, they had an easy path or anything, because obviously, like, you can only play the team that's in front of you. I'm not going to say anything to say that, oh, the Lakers should have won that series or anything. But the only time the Suns have faced adversity, the only time the Suns have trailed in a series is when they were down 2-1 to the Lakers. And then the Lakers lost their second best player. How are they going to respond this time? That's going to be what I'm looking for in game five. Five? Yeah, five. five. What I found it's- fascinating about this game was the, the Bucks looked dreadful for most of it. Phoenix never had a double-digit lead. The biggest Suns yeah. lead was nine. And that is the what you were saying, Adam. They're just the Bucks are not killable. Like they're just gonna stick around and stick around and stick around and stick around, and then one opening and they just take the game. They're a team that knows how to do that now. We'll see if Phoenix is. We'll we'll see. I think I, I you have to like their chances because they've been through more this postseason. They have the best player in the series. Steal one in Phoenix, win one more in Fiserv, and that's all she wrote. Like. It's a really good feeling, which is crazy because for so much of this game, I was like, oh, God, same old Bucks, they're back. And they ended up being the same old Bucks, the same old 2021 playoff Bucks who have been doing shit like this the whole run and somehow getting away with it. That's their new brand, I guess. You want to, there's, we have another NBA player tweeting. I love it. Us. Is it CJ McCollum this time? Is it's not <laughs> actually. It's actually not CJ. Uh, it's uh, future Buck Rashawn Holmes. Tweeting that block by Giannis, one of the best I've ever seen. Former son, Rashawn Holmes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's my update. I thought it was going to be a slightly higher profile player than Rashawn Holmes. Oh, good. Don't disrespect Rashawn Holmes like that. He's a free agent this afternoon. Yeah, future buck. I'm speaking it into existence. <laughs> Can you imagine Rashawn Holmes on this team? That'd it's be not incredible. really what I'm busy imagining right now, <laughs> Rohan. <laughs> Also, I just, like, like, I just was like, it's destiny to win a championship. Rashawn Holmes, you know, he can wait a couple of weeks at least to start to occupy like any space in my brain. He's got to. I mean, I know they're celebrating the 75th anniversary next year, but um, I, I thought the NBA was stopping after this year, right? This is it. This is <laughs> they're going out in a blaze of glory, right? <laughs> Uh, I don't even know if I have anything left. Honestly, <laughs> I'm just I I really I was trying to think. I I watch sports for a living, right? I I literally I watch. Why did 40... you just sound like Drake saying I study rap battles for a living? Well, if that's how you want to perceive me, that's fine. <laughs> I, I I mean it. I, aside from book stuff, like I I my job involves me watching like forty hours of sports a week. I don't know if I've ever seen something like this. I've certainly never felt just the sheer terror that this game just brought out of me. It was it was incredible. It made Game Seven against the Nets feel quite quaint to me, honestly. And I just didn't think that was possible. I honestly. There's no way you could have told me anything other than the game seven. I wouldn't have thought there's a scenario where it feels like that. But this was always, and everyone knows it's, you know, 
game four in a series like this, it it dictates, it decides what you're going to get. It, it sets the tone for what it is. The Suns, two games ago, this was in their hands. They could have gone, got one game, and it's theirs to be won. They blew Chris, it. Chris Paul finals MVP, baby. Anointed after 36 minutes of basketball in this here finals. I hate I hate when that's done in general for any player. Like Zach Lowe said the same thing. It's not an original take, but like, let's just play the series. But I just thought it was kind of perfect that he's been pretty bad for most of the last three games after being also like the heart of their team who like Obi-Wan Kenobi ghosts on the bench. Even when he's out, he's their most important player. Some weird Suns narratives with CP this year, but um yeah, it's everything is different now. One, one last thing, because because this is the second game in a row, just a factor. Monty Williams messed up again. Booker, yeah, like just I I thought he got it right. Like in the in the third quarter, he, he takes him out, and you're like, he's done it again. And it turns out to only be a couple of minutes, and you're like, okay, maybe he's just decided this can be his rest. This can be his rest. We'll get him to cool off, you know, get him to compose himself. Then he goes and he gets the fifth foul and he's sitting and he's sitting and he sits way too long. Like the way Booker was, he cooled off. He cooled off when he came back in that game. He started missing shots because when he came out, he was missing absolutely nothing. So it's the second game in a row where it's happened. And I, I just feel like you like you look at it here and Crowder was close. Um, Aiton was there in the first half. I think Giannis ended the first half. He, he didn't attack Aiton. I was like, Aiton is there to get his third foul. There was like five minutes, six minutes. I was like, I'd just be going at him relentlessly. Try and get that third foul and see how Monty Williams reacts. I feel like it's going to happen every game, though. If this game, this series goes two more games, if it goes three more games, the Suns are going to get one of their starters in foul trouble. And when that happens, they have a big problem. And we've seen the way he reacts. We've seen the way he reacts to it. And most importantly, knock on wood, books players are doing a phenomenal job of avoiding foul trouble. Giannis got a foul late on. I was like, I wonder what number that is. And Mike Breen's like, that's a second, second foul on Giannis. I was like, Wow, well, that's great because all the years where if we could have dreamt of this moment, that's the kind of thing you'd be like, oh, well, you know, Giannis foul trouble could end up being a factor because it was just a factor in every single game he played for so much of his career. Not anymore. Like, there's a difference in the discipline of these two teams as well. And it's making Bud's job easier and not having to make those calls. But I don't think Monty's making the right calls. And that's two games in a row it's cost them. And now they're all tied up again. It's not even just the foul thing. Do you want to know something fun about the fourth quarter for the Suns rotation? Torrey Craig played more than Mikhail Bridges. I was just about to bring up Bridges' minutes too. 25 and a half minutes. They never play him. I don't understand it. He that was one of the better game twos. It's just a great game in that. Well, it's not even just that. I mean, we, you know, we talked about early in the series, like Chris trying to get a bucket on Bridges is tough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he... Yeah, I know. Like, if they try to switch on, switch off him, and you know, get him Giannis and all that, like a pick and roll and all that stuff. But it wasn't like that was working either for the Bucks. A lot of it was just, you know, it was building gravity off for Chris to get a, a bucket off or whoever else is initiating offense. It was just a lot of like, 
Giannis wasn't like bending the the defense in a way, or you know, that that's a separate issue. But like it, how it's felt like with the Suns and Monty kind of ha- ha- feels right now how we felt with the Bucks against the Raptors two years ago at the conference finals, where it started. You know, you're starting to lose kind of the grip of the game, the series overall. I and, love it, Jordan. I mean, we've seen this how the story ends, but and I'm not saying. It's going to repeat, but like there's just kind of weird trust issues that he's had with his players that have been a little interesting considering just where their depth is right now. Also, I thought like every time the Bucks run out a three bench player lineup and I get ready to like pull out my hair, I look over and I go, oh, it's campaign Cam Johnson and Tory Craig. They're, they've agreed to do it at the same time again for whatever reason. Campaign cannot play in the series. Uh, apparently, all. he's much better at home, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. He give wasn't him too even much good shit. in the home games. I'm not gonna give him too much shit until post game five. Again, he's, I said this the last episode though. Jay Crowder is having the series that we would be worried about. Like he's, mostly, he's been he really killed off. Good. He killed off a bit in this one. The defense, uh, I thought. If the defense was flopping, really good. Was really good. Listen, we we have every reason to hate the flopping. If you're flopping like that and you're getting the calls at the NBA Finals, I would not care if I was a Suns fan. If any book wants to do that, that gets them over the line. You know, Suns fans can moan about it for 50 years. They've probably been doing that about the coin flip. I, I would not care. Like, do it. He's getting away with it. He's just making plays that are getting his team closer to winning. But they're not winning. The books are seeing the Jay Crowder games. They're seeing the Jay Crowder plays. And they're finding ways to win. This is incredible. They're winning when, you know, everything says they're not going to win. We've watched years of them. That but that's been the series, right? Where they've won the margins. I mean, save for three-point shooting, which is, you know, that's very Bucks-like in its own right. But, like, everything has pointed, you know, overwhelmingly to the Bucks' direction. And, yeah, <laughs> it looks weird to see the Bucks win a six-point victory you know, game four and even up the series when Drew Holiday is four for 20 or whatever the case may be. But, like, they are just getting enough, everything else to kind of combat, you know, bad shooting, bad match from their third best player. Brick Lopez playing just a little over 19 minutes, which I understand. I think at this point, you just kind of are comfortable, or not comfortable with it, but you just, like, live with it. And it's working by hook or by brook. <laughs> it's just it's it's working incredibly. I don't know. How. John Hansen's still out there. By hook or by let's Brooke? hope they should bring him. Yo, those Jan, Giannis John Henson pick and rolls with Henson's vertical spacing would be incredible. <laughs> now it's gonna work. I love that the Suns did not win Booker's minutes. Thirty nine minutes, forty two points on twenty eight shots, according to ESPN plus zero. All that from him. And they break even in those minutes. It's. I was gonna say like he, it's like full of Thanos, like all that for a drop of blood. They didn't even get a drop of blood. All that for a goose egg. Tough, tough scene. Uh, Jordan, I do have a question for you for the in arena reaction to uh, Kareem. Was there any sort of uh, good? It was good. It was, I'm glad it was good. to hear it. It helped. It helped that uh, he was sitting next to Oscar Robertson. Plus, it's, it was. I, it's, it's, there shouldn't need to be a help. He should be recognized. Well, that's that's how. They, well, did they introduce the seventy-one team together as such? 
Yeah, it was kind of like a line. It was like it was first it was the Dandridge, then it went down to McLaughlin, and then they were opposite of Kareem and Oscar. You just know Johnny Mac was late in the game. He was like, they just need to get a stop, a score, a get another stop. Get, get them threes. out of the pop-up zone. <laughs> pop-up yeah. zone, exactly. <laughs> what was the uh, reaction to uh, Michael Red like? Good. I came, he was sitting next to Dave Chappelle. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah. I asked that because there are now pictures being tweeted from the Bucks account of Michael Red and Chris Middleton just embracing after the oh. game, like directly after the game. Well, that's in the great. Tunnel as well. It's just like 22 to 22, man. Yeah. It's incredible. I heard, did Chib- you know, you didn't ask about Chappelle's evasion, but I heard that one on the broadcast. Yeah. That was loud. It was very loud. I think he was the first one introduced as well. So it was kind of set the tone. Nice. And or maybe not the first. I think it was Darius Smith, Packers defensive end. Was, what? What about Cheryl Crow? Did Cheryl Crow get a? I saw. Um, I think it was Jeff Zilget of the USA Today. They get like a celebrity list. Yeah. Of people that are in attendance. Apparently, she was on it. They didn't yeah. show her. Really? Wow, she yeah. was there. She saw. We were too busy sons. getting the collab uh, set up. That's. I was about to say. So does yeah. that mean you didn't get the podcast booked? I got. I got exclusively with Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man with a propeller hat approaches Cheryl Crow at the books game. <laughs> hey, it was a hit. It was a hit. I got there we one. go. I got Tell one. us about the reactions and yes, the looks please. you must have got. You were wearing. You're still I was wearing that for the first time. Not even wearing it. I was just holding it, getting into the arena. Was this but, by uh, MK Robert? Yes, it was. Nice. And then uh, I wore it. I had a you know boost of confidence is like yeah i'm walking in lucky hat <laughs> for a joke that no one else you know <laughs> makes sense and then i went to get a beer bartender wearing the hat loved it she loved it there we She's go like, yeah that, went, that that 13 dollar course light went down all the all the smoother then yeah, I didn't drink as fast as other people. Um, <laughs> I'm glad this could finally get paid off. And I'm glad that at least someone recognized it and be like, yes, that is the man, the myth, the legend, Jordan Dresky. And I recognize him because he is wearing a propeller hat. That is, you cannot write a better story <laughs> than that. The thing that is, is what started incredible. as a joke will now actually yes. be a tradition. You will be the guy who's always at books games with a propeller hat. Yep. It's my new lucky hat. I got to bring it. It looks go. like the, the mecha game's... floor. I could just, uh, you know, excuse it, it for like that. It looks like the mecha floor, yeah. We're going to see it again in game six. Uh, someone get Jordan's tickets, please. Yep. Uh, I don't even get, I don't like, I don't give them to me. Give them to Jordan. That's how He's much a lucky charm. Seriously. Yeah. Let's get Jordan Him to the, the game. Hat. It's double luck. Hey, I'm hey. just saying someone out there who's listening can make this happen. You know. Whoever's Jordan you, counterbalances you, all like the ancient burial ground hoodoo. That's you know. No, that no, that and was the TikTok dog. The what? TikTok dog is wrong. Oh yeah, TikTok I was, dog. I, that was just waiting to happen. Oh, that was going to be my outro tie. Oh, I didn't. Well, I, I just it clicked for no, me. No, that's now. okay. No, that's oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, but yeah, the TikTok dog is now wrong. Uh, is it time for an outro? Are we done here? Did, yeah, people who didn't tune in for the pregame on YouTube are like, what? The TikTok dog? What are they talking about? That is more about? of an incentive for you to subscribe to our YouTube yeah. channel, Eurostep Podcast Network on YouTube, we so you can get these jokes. 
so you can get these jokes. I don't know why you're saying it like that. We are. <laughs> uh, what, uh, that's what I meant. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know how to respond to that. But yes, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can, uh, you know, get every single joke as we sort of build this Eurostep Podcast Network universe out. Uh, but uh, yes, that'll that'll do it for us here on the Eurostep Podcast Network post game. Hopefully, uh, this was enjoyable, entertaining, and if it was, make sure you leave a five star rating on Apple. Ty, do you have a five-star rating to read out for us? I sure do. This one's heartfelt. Garrett from MKE writes, a long overdue review. Five stars, of course. I've been listening to the Winning Six pod since the Jack Bauer days. Oh. Mm. It's a real one. Might, might, might have been like familiar with the propeller. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sure Garrett from MKE is well aware of the propeller. Um, he continues... Their long-form banter has fed my soul for many years. I found the Eurostep pod last season and found it to be a great counterbalance as an efficient analysis of the Bucks. Not anymore. No. The combination is one for the ages. Despite geography, at least for Adam, these are the local guys. A perfect balance of fandom, not homerism, and informed analysis. It has been cathartic seeing each host mentally break while Adam has served as cool-headed constant. Through misery and bliss, these hosts keep me on the ship. It doesn't even matter if we're going down bucks in six. Uh, first of all, I'm glad Garrett missed the Brian Forbes jump <laughs> shot game. <laughs> that was probably for the best. I'll happily accept that title. And secondly, thank you for the, that was, the, the that lovely was... review. Lovely, lovely review. It was it was very you you were right when you said it was heartfelt. That's perfect. It also rhymed at the end. It just it felt like a little sonnet there. Um, it was perfect. It was perfect. Uh, we do appreciate these reviews. So make sure you leave a review. And guess what? If you do, you can get it read out on the podcast, just like Garrett from MKE just did. So make sure you leave that five-star rating on Apple and make sure you are subscribed on your podcast platform of choice. Check out all the great content across the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Once again, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I am emphasizing this because we really want you to subscribe. Please do it. It'll make us feel better. Um, So you can tune into our pregames because we at least have two more games in this finals. And I think we might, I think we're all in agreement here. Adam, I'm realizing I forgot something, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, oh, you are, just keep going. Uh, I'm, I'll do I'm, it. I mean, it, it worked out. It gave us good luck. If you was, if you think it's now a superstition, I'll let you do it. I'm not. I was literally just trying to finish the outro, but now with this. Cool. Well, if they lose the next game, now I'm going to give make you a score prediction, false. Adam. Fine. Now you're the one wanting it. Now give it to me. Bucks 150, Jeez. Suns 60. <laughs> I went big with the last prediction, and the Bucks won, not in, you know, not in big fashion, but they did win. Okay. I tie Jordan. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, (laughs) I've got it covered. Yes. uh, But again, thank you for listening to this episode. Go Bucks. We will talk to you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.